When I said I'd take on this Sunday, I was expecting it to be half empty because most people sort of are away, but it's remarkably full. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. So, in a lot of churches today, they'll be celebrating something called what? Palm Sunday. I always used to like Palm Sunday because we used to go, I used to be part of a Methodist church when I was a kid, and they used to give us little tiny crosses made out of palm leaves. I used to take it home and stick it on the pile with the rest of them from the previous years, but it's still exciting to have one. So a quick story. One Palm Sunday, a little boy had a sore throat and had to stay home from church. When the rest of the family came home, they were carrying palm branches. The little boy asked what they were for. His father told him that the people held them over Jesus' head when he walked by. And in a sad, disappointed voice, the little boy said, Wouldn't you know it, the one Sunday I miss and Jesus turns up. <laughs> so, in preparation for this morning, I'd spent quite a lot of time actually planning to talk about the seven phrases that Jesus says when he's on the cross. And then I had a two-minute conversation with John midweek. And he just dropped a little tiny phrase to me. And it changed my whole thinking about this week. So I'm going to bench that previous talk for another time and talk about something else. If I can have the Bible verse up, please. So we're going to look at that story, a well-known story of when Jesus cursed the fig tree. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance there was a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Can you skip down to verse 19? And when the evening came, they went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it would be done for him. So I've heard this story many, many times. I pulled it apart a couple of times in a Bible study, I remember. And you might be thinking, what on earth has that got to do with this morning? Well, as most of you know, my full head of hair is a sight to behold. When I was a kid, I had hair. Now, my scalp here is very much alive. I know because I bang it quite often and it bleeds. However, the hair follicles that once produced wonderful hair have stopped bearing fruit. About a couple of years ago, we had a group night out. We quite liked fish restaurants and we thought, I saw an offer which said unlimited mussels. <laughs> I quite like mussels. And so I bigged it up, we got all the groups sorted, we got ourselves over to Lock Fine, Massive group, about 19 of us, sitting around the table. Mouth was watering, ready for unlimited mussels. They bring out a sort of half a bowl each of mussels. And we're like, the portions are reduced there, haven't they? Doesn't matter, it's unlimited anyway. And then the waitress, in a very quiet voice, says, I do apologise, but we've run out of mussels. I was really pleased, obviously. I was frustrated. I was thinking to myself, how on earth... Are you advertising the fact there's unlimited supply of muscles and you've run out? It's not there. That feeling of disappointment was there. I was expecting muscles 
in various different flavours. And we ended up, they sorted us out actually. They did give us a massive, huge, great sea platter of food. But it wasn't the same. Because I'd gone there with an expectation of finding something. I'd gone there with the expectation of actually tasting wonderful mussels. So when you think about Jesus looking at the tree from afar, it's interesting, isn't it? He was hungry. And he went there with an expectation of finding fruit there. And because he didn't find fruit, he cursed the fig tree. You might think to yourself, poor tree, what's the tree done to you? It wasn't even meant to be in season. But Jesus had an expectation that went beyond the natural. You see, I think our God is quite proactive. He's quite productive. There's loads and loads of different verses in the Bible which talk about the fact of God being proactive and instruction to us. Various different things. All work is profitable. When the Hebrews were hungry, God produced manna from the sky. God gave Noah and his family authority, mandate, capacity to replenish the earth. It's all about productivity. Think about it. What did Jesus achieve, actually, in his three years of public ministry? He didn't sort of lay back and sort of chill out, did he? He was fairly productive. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He opened blind eyes. He enabled the lame to walk. He comforted children. He cleansed lepers. He taught. He preached. And eventually, by his death, he split that veil which separated us from God. Even when he's hanging on that cross, we see him still being productive. He was hanging there. He'd been beaten and flogged. He had iron spikes driven through his hands and his feet. And yet, what did he do while he's hanging up there? He made provision for his mother. He makes provisions for a repentant criminal. He has intercessory prayer for his enemies. And finally, he deposits his spirit into the hands of his father. Productivity was going on in Jesus' life the entire time. One of the things I think about is why on earth he's the son of God. He's Lord of all. Why didn't he say to the fig tree, produce fruit? I'm sure it would have obeyed him. But he didn't. We'd seen him turn water to wine. We'd seen him multiply the fishes and the loaves. We'd seen him fill empty fishing nets to overflowing. And yet on this particular occasion, he chose not to do that. He chose to demonstrate something very, very different. You see, the tree wasn't dead before. It had leaves. I remember all this stuff from school. Photosynthesis takes place in the leaves. Those that have got GCSE coming up, take note. They keep the internal sap stream operating and they help regulate the plant's temperature. That's what they were doing. So it was getting itself prepared to produce fruit, but it hadn't managed to do it yet because the time and the seasons weren't right. So at that point in time, it was only valuable in theory to itself. It wasn't giving anything else to anybody. It was focused on doing what it needed to do in preparation for the fruit, but hadn't managed to produce any yet. We're going to get quite theological now. Homo incubatus ense. Anybody know what that means? Come on, there must be one or two people in here that have an indication of what it means. It means humanity curved in towards itself. Yeah? St. Augustine actually started it. It was picked up also by Martin Luther King. He talked about this thing. 
And man ma mankind has, as its default, wants to look after itself. Yeah, we want to be focused in, sometimes, on ourselves rather than giving out from ourselves. Think about the example we look at in Luke, when that farmer, remember the farmer that wanted to build bigger barns? Why did he want to build bigger barns? Because he had too much grain to store. So rather than give away, rather than setting up a food bank, he thought to himself, I'm going to build bigger barns so I can store more for myself. The thing he hadn't figured out, that on the very night, what did God do? Took his life. And that grain went to waste. What storehouses are we building for ourselves that potentially are there to be shared? You see, I think from a very early age, we're programmed to say, me, I want, I want this, I want that. I want it my way. I don't want to listen to you. And as we get older, I don't think we ever lose that fully. We just sort of dress it up. Try and cover it up by being polite. But what does God look at? He looks at what's underneath it. He looks at our heart. Is our heart actually surrendered to him? What's our online activity like? How many of us secretly go and check how many likes we've got when we post something on Facebook? How society has changed, isn't it? It's all geared up. It's about me. It's about my profile. It's about, as Neil said, how people see me. Really interesting in that, that illustration that Neil brought this morning. He had no idea what I was going to talk about. But it fits right in, doesn't it? What do other people think about me? What do I do with the stuff that God's actually given me? Why don't we focus ourselves back on looking at everything we have comes from God anyway. He is our resource. He is the one that gives. Is there some productivity that we need to engage with in order to share what God's already given us? Lots of Bible today. Luke 13, 6, 8. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, at that point, you can cut it down. Amazing how many stories are about fig trees in the Bible. Most of you know that I run a company along with John. We do IT support. We've been doing this probably for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years together. And when we started at the company, it had one focus in mind, to be a kingdom business, to, to generate wealth, so that we could then deploy that wealth for other people to use in whatever they wanted to see fulfilled in their lives. And for 12 or 13 years, it's been a struggle. We have to work hard. We do work hard. And at the end of the year, you think to yourself, oh, we've made a bit of profit this year. What can we do with that? And then Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs say, well, I'm taking my cut first. And you're not left with much. And it can become a real frustration. One of my frustrations, God, why are you making this business more profitable? I'm doing this for you after all. That's what this thing is about. How many areas are you doing things in unto the Lord, where you're really frustrated, thinking, if only this bit happens, then I can get on with the rest of it. How often do we stop and take note and say, God, is this really for now? Do I continue? Is this a waiting time? Or is it time for me to put down some of the stuff that I'm involved in, 
in order to pick up some of the stuff that you've got for me. As we started praying in recent weeks, we've seen massive changes in the company. We are starting to see, I think for the first time in a long time, new clients come on a regular basis. So God is stirring something. God is doing something all by himself. And I think it comes from laying it down before him and saying, do you know what? I believe this is what you've called me to do and be. However, I'm laying it back at your feet. I'm giving it back to you. And if you allow me to pick it up, then so be it. But if not, I'll leave it right there so that I can be looking out and listening for the next thing that God has got for us. For most of you you would know me, if you ask me, how's it going, Mark? My default answer in recent weeks is, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. So when my dad spoke to me last week, he said, how's it going, Mark? How's business? I'm so busy. And he goes, are you busy being a fool? Or are you busy being productive? My dad always has those wonderful one-liners that make you feel really encouraged. Because I think sometimes we can get ourselves into a state of busyness, doing the things that we've been thought God has asked us to do, but there being no productivity in it at all. And then it ends up being, you end up being resentful. God, you've asked me to do this. Why? It's painful. It's difficult. It doesn't move anywhere. Nothing's changing. How long do I have to do this for? So we have to hold those two things in tension. Because as I said, sometimes he does make us wait for a season. Sometimes it is about drilling down and working hard at it before we actually see the fruit appear. Does some of you feel like this when it comes to thinking about the time? The start of your week, you're thinking to yourself, I haven't got any slots free whatsoever. My schedule is fully booked. I'm doing this meeting and that meeting, going to work and sort the kids out and I've got to go to a parents' evening and I've got to do this. I've got to drum ball to football. Oh my goodness. Life can become so overbearing sometimes and we sort of miss out giving God the opportunity to come in and grace us for the things that he's got for us. And I think as he does that and when he does that, our whole attitude changes. When we give it up, when we put it before his feet, something changes internally for us. There's some things to reflect on. We're reminded that individually and collectively, God expects us not only to be alive, but productive. So yes, Jesus was looking at that fig tree. He was saying it's taking up space. It's using up resource. But it's not giving anything out to the community. It wasn't consistent with the eternal purposes of God. Therefore, Let's look at ourselves. Let's look at the blessings that God has given us. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. But if we only ever have leaves and don't see the fruit, then is that to do sometimes with the fact that we're so focused on ourselves and not focused on him? I love the book of Revelation. Maybe it's because I'm sort of creative and I love all the, the pictures that are created in there. But if I look at Revelation 2 and 3, the seven letters to the seven churches, five of those churches are told by Christ that they did not make corrections, then there'll be consequences. You might think, oh, this is all doom and gloom, Mark. Let's have a happy thing today. But I think God wants to challenge us today. We have in our heads, I think, a wonderful thought 
about who Jesus is. It's like having a plate of wonderful food and the dreaded broccolis on it. Everything else looks good, but you think to yourself, you don't quite like that bit. I personally do like broccoli, but I see a lot of people look at it and thinking, yeah, that can stay to one side. Why do I use this picture? I use it as an illustration of looking at Jesus. You see, I think we really like the baby Jesus in the manger. Yeah? I think we like the Jesus who says, peace, be still. I think we like the Jesus that gave the woman at the well a second chance. I think we like the Jesus who honoured the widow's might. We want a Jesus, almost, that never demands anything of us. Overlooks everything that we do wrong, because he doesn't really expect anything of sinners. We want a Jesus who doesn't mind us continuing to sin, that grace may abound. And we want a Jesus that never calls us to be accountable. Yes, Jesus is kind and loving and forgiving. But he gives us grace to enable us to do better than we can do ourselves in our fleshly state. That's the whole complete Jesus. He has an expectation for you and for your life. He expects us to be the lights of the world. He expects us to walk by faith and not by sight. He expects us to love the unlovable, forgive the unforgivable, and seek those who have become invisible. He expects us to go and reach the lost. As I said, this is not about being, bringing doom and gloom this morning, but I want us to get the complete picture of what it is to pick up our cross daily and follow Christ. When I think about Jesus, you hear about him a couple of times being hungry in the Bible. One of the ones that stands out for me is when he was out in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. Do you reckon he was hungry? Yeah. And what did Satan come and say to him? What did he tempt him with? He just said, turn the stones to bread. You are the Lord of all. And yet he refused to make bread for himself, but he made himself the bread of life for us. See, Jesus really had no place of residence. In fact, you hear about it, don't you? Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. But yet Jesus, who had no place, tells us that he has prepared a place for us. When he was on the cross, he said, I thirst. But the Jesus who needed fluids for himself had previously told guests, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He was all about switching it. If Satan had come to tempt me in the desert after 40 days, and I had the ability to change the rocks into bread, would I have made the right choice, or would I have struggled? Maybe. Some questions to ask. When I, Jesus looks at my life, we're going to have to give an account one day. I don't know about you, but I always wonder what that's going to be like. And how long is it going to take? I don't like queuing. We really don't like queuing. But at some point in time, we're going to be standing before him. We have to give an account. And yes, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. But I want to be one that's seen as being fruitful. What does being fruitful mean to you? What does it look like? What do you think it could be like? The rich man and the beggar named Lazarus, a well-known story again. Who had pity on the man? Who was the dogs in the street? See, sometimes 
troubles me, I suppose, that those out in the world are doing that job and we can just walk on by. Me and T popped into Romford last night. A bloke knocked on the window. I was thinking, oh, here we go again. Here comes the old story about being in the military, being booted out, having no money, having this and no that. I didn't even give the guy a chance to say his story because I knew what was going to come out of his mouth. And as I walked up the hill to get my meal, I thought to myself, was that the right thing to do? Or could I have at least listened to his story? He goes, you're the third black person to, ask, to be asked today. I just thought, it's tough, isn't it? As I went into London early on Friday morning for, for work, you're almost tripping over people that are sleeping rough. And I don't know what their stories are. I don't know what's caused them to get to that state of being there. But I know it's become the norm. And I've become desensitised to seeing that. And I just wonder, from time to time, that wonderful phrase, what would Jesus do? Would he stop to have a conversation? Or would he just chuck a couple of coins into a bowl and walk on? When you hear about the story, we heard it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? As Peter walked into the temple and saw that lame person there. He could have maybe tossed him a coin or two, but no. Something happened that day to him, which caused him to reach out, to grab and to pick the guy up. And a miracle took place. I'm just wondering how many miracles we miss out on by just walking on by. Why? Because our head are full of so much other stuff. All the stuff that we think we have to do. All the stuff that life throws at us. The busyness of this world nowadays. And the faster and faster mentality that we have to deal with. Life's just become one appointment after another appointment after another appointment. And it's fairly inconvenient when something butts into that and throws off your whole schedule. Now for those that know me and know my diary skills, they are much to be desired. I have read many books. I have spoken to many organised people about how to organise my diary. I'm terrible at it. My default answer has become, speak to T. Speak to T. But even with that, I'm challenging myself to say, is that right? I can fill all my slots. Me and John saw a very organised business coach a few years ago, and she goes, quite simple. Just pretend they're all boxes, and you put a name on the box, and you slot it in, so that every bit of space in all your days has got a box assigned to it. And when you're doing that particular task, focus only on that task, and it'll all be okay. We couldn't even work out how to get the boxes in in the first place. Forget the rest of it. But then I'm reminded of Jesus doing only the things that the Father had given him to do. I'm thinking to myself, did God just give Jesus a tick list there for? Did he go, there you go, son. That's your schedule for today. Or was Jesus actually demonstrating the heart of the Father and just noticing and seeing things where his Father would go and touch? A question I've been wrestling with in my head is, do I have to hear a voice, a booming voice of God to go and do something? Or do I want my habits to become the habits that God would have for me? The stopping, the talking, the caring, the popping in, the putting the arm around, all of those things, which I know will bless my father's heart. 
I don't think he gives us a schedule. He just says, get out there and do what I would do. Get out there and do what I would do. There's a world that is lost. There are people that are broken. In those testimony books Anthony had, there were people that were broken. And yet God stepped in and changed something. When Neil asked us to talk about something earlier, I said, I am just glad to be here, to be alive. For those that don't know my story, I took a massive overdose when I was young. I shouldn't be here. My flesh should have died. And yet I said, I look around in you lot and think to myself, look at what I would have missed out on. I missed having a wife. I'd have missed having children. I would have missed being part of you in your community. I would have missed meeting John and having a great business part. I'd have missed so, so much. What are you missing out on? What opportunities are you missing out on? Because there's no slots in your calendar. What needs to be changed? Which bits can be rubbed out? And you think, you know what? That one's all about me. Let's take that one out of the way. This one's all about me. Take that out of the way. Because I reckon it's more exciting to be doing the stuff that he's got for us, walking with him, partnering with him, than it is about self-gratification. Just wonder. A couple more things to think about. What would we be willing to lose in order for others to gain? What would we be willing to lose in order for others to gain? I've been supporting Tottenham Hospital for many, many years. I went on a waiting list for about 11 years. And last year, or year before last, Tottenham decided to build a brand new stadium, which is absolutely fantastic. That's aside from the point, though. I waited and waited and waited on the promise that one day, one day, I get to position number one and I get myself a season ticket. And then I can go to all the games, but don't tell T. I was at um, my business group this week, and one of the guys there has got two young kids, and he goes, I'll never be able to go to a Tottenham game. Can't get, ever get in and stuff. And I thought, shall I give my tickets to him? Or shall I get the money back on my tickets just to put it into my money pot towards my ticket for next year? And we sent the tickets to him, and he used the tickets yesterday. And his messages yesterday with a couple of photographs of his kids with massive smiles on their faces. And I thought to myself, that's just one opportunity of giving something that I've waited, to, waited and waited and waited for, but giving it away gave me a great feeling. I missed four goals going in yesterday. <laughs> I missed a clean sheet, but I'm not bitter because I gave it away <laughs> willingly. <laughs> no, honestly, it's, <laughs> it's just things like that. Yeah? What things do we have at our disposal? It may be something as simple as time. You may have time on your hands which you can give to other people. Not necessarily money. What is it that God has given you? What resources has he given you that currently you sort of use for yourself? But if you think about it, 
you could use it for others. So whenever I talk usually, one of the biggest comments I get back is, you leave us all this stuff, but you don't give us any answers. Part of that is because I want us to start to think for ourselves. If a teacher gives you the math question and gives you the answer every time, you never work out how to do the math in the first place, do you? So part of this is to go away after this, look up some of these verses, go and look at the fig tree story for yourself and say, what does it mean? God, what are you saying to me in this thing? John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You can look at that two ways to sort of think, well, I'm useless, I might as well continue being useless. I'm not bearing fruit, I've tried really hard, I'm struggling through this thing, it's easy for that person. When I look at T, and I talk to T sometimes, her passion, and a few more people in it, is evangelism. She loves talking to people about Jesus. It's just something that switches on in her and her face lights up and she's passionate about it. And I say, do you know how many people you have affected that are part of this community? People who give their right arm just for a single conversation like that and yet you keep stumbling in on them. I think there's people to reach for all of us. I really do. That challenge that John gave us four weeks ago or whatever, speak to four people. Is that a hard and fast rule, you must speak to four people? No, but I think it was just that drop in his spirit of, look, this thing is not complicated. Just share a little bit. Share your story. God has made us all unique. All from different backgrounds. Some from different countries. Different cultures. We're all completely different. 20 years ago, the mix in this room was very different from how it is today. Some bloke stood up and talked about a sandbox. Do you remember? For those that have been around a long time, sandbox. And he talked about all the different blend that was going to happen. All the different sands from different countries and stuff. We're seeing it. Therefore, if God has orchestrated this, what is us to do at this time? What is it to be a Christian? What is it to be a follower of Jesus? Does it actually impact on your life? Or are you plodding along just waiting for retirement to hit? I don't want to be like that. I want to be hearing about miracles. I want to see God move. And I have seen him move. And he's the same God yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't change. Our circumstances do. And so this morning is really about a reboot for each of us. I thought it was really interesting what Neil started with. Look at all this stuff I'm carrying. And a prompt for God for him. Put it down. Put it down. Make him our first love. Let's return to our first love. Do you remember that moment when it stopped being just head knowledge about this God thing, about this person called Jesus? Do you remember that moment when suddenly you realised by the revelation that he gave you, that you were chosen, that you were his, that you're a co-heir, that you're a prince, that we get to share in his inheritance. What an inheritance! What an inheritance! And he goes, you know what? This is for all of us. 
For some of you in the room this morning, you might never have ever experienced that. The fact that he is Lord of all. The fact that he is Lord of our lives. And when we surrender our lives to him, when we lay aside our preferences and put him first, so many times I've seen him give it all back. I was out with dinner with tea last night and we were talking about dreams. What dreams have you got? What dreams has, has God given you? What haven't you seen come to fruition yet? What words have been spoken over your lives that you haven't seen arrive yet? God doesn't speak into a void. I think as human beings we're fairly impatient. I think a generation ago people used to be far more patient than they are now. I remember the f- when I first started dating T. I said I wasn't going to talk about it today, but I've done it three times now. She'll tell me off afterwards. I used to write letters. I used to have to write the letter. Couldn't even spell check it. Nightmare. And then I used to have to put it in an envelope, walk to a post office, get a stamp, stick the stamp on, stick it in the post, and then you know. One or two days, hopefully I'm going to get a return letter in four days or something may be wrong. Things were slower. Life was a bit slower. What's it like today? You can start dating somebody just using text. And you can break up the same way if you wish. It's instantaneous, isn't it? We don't have to wait for anything at all. And therefore, sometimes I think we may get a little frustrated with God. Let this happen now. Why is it not happening? It should be happening already. I've got the next thing to get onto. If you do this bit now for me, I can move on to the next thing for you. Lay it down. Lay it down. So, if you want to be alive and productive, then I think we need to stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected with a regular prayer life. Stay connected by coming to corporate times and gatherings like this. Why? Because it's good to be together. The PA team and the setup team this morning did a fantastic job. The van had a flat battery and yet they rallied round together to make this happen. I don't want that to go unnoticed. So on behalf of all of us, thank you for your time and your serving. It is appreciated. You see, I think so many things go unnoticed and it takes two seconds just to say thank you and it can make all the difference to individuals to say, do you know what? I noticed that. I noticed that you gave up. I noticed that you served. I know that you went the extra mile. I noticed this. I noticed that. That's reflecting, I believe, the heart of the Father because he notices stuff. Go back to the previous Vine story. You've gone past there three, diff- three years in a row. And yet the thing had not produced fruit. What did the farmer say? I'm going to break up the soil. I'm going to fertilise it. As I finish today, I think this is the main point. I think sometimes the ground around where we're planted becomes trodden, flat, becomes hard, becomes impenetrable. And our hearts reflect that. So this morning, I'm just going to pray, or Neil's going to help us conclude, but with that sense of where you've been planted right now, has the ground around you become really hard and impenetrable? Because he is sent as the helper. I'm always amazed at myself how I try and fix it myself many times 
before recognising there is a helper that's there. I think the Holy Spirit wants to break ground in each of us today. He wants to break ground in our hearts. He wants to break ground on some situations which have become so hard you cannot see any way of anything penetrating that. And therefore you've lost hope. What makes us become hard? I think we can harden ourselves very quickly by not returning to him, by choosing to sin, by getting ourselves caught in stuff that, oh, it's not going to hurt just this once, and it becomes an addictive cycle. Someone had a word earlier, but somebody may be stuck. Addiction to online gambling. For you, your addiction might be pornography. Could be pride. Could be greed. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to break some of these cycles, some of these habits. What's seem broken? Because once the ground is broken, that's when he seeps in. That's when he changes. That's when he refreshes. That's when we see fruit start to grow. And in every situation we see ourselves in, we have the opportunity to make a difference just by you being there because we carry the Holy Spirit within us. Therefore, you might not see anything happen, but just by you being there, you change something. You see, we see in the natural, especially in the Western world, we see stuff in the natural all the time. And yet, our battle's not with the flesh. Yeah, the spiritual stuff that's taking place. And I'm excited about the next season that God has got for this church. He is not done with us yet. A lot of us, I've only been here 22, 23 years. I've seen all these wonderful little tiny children grow up and some of them produce themselves, bearing fruit. He's not done with us yet. This is no retirement party. Ask the Griffins what retirement's like. So my final point, are we productive in the things that he has for us rather than the things that we just want for ourselves?